Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Elite Fantasy Podcast on a Friday night, July 31st. I am your guy, Little Italy, back for another round of team previews for the upcoming fantasy season. Tonight, we're going to look at two teams that drafted two exciting receivers. We're going to look at the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm going to look at the Denver Broncos. But before we get this thing kicked off, just a reminder for that in-depth look at all these teams and their upcoming fantasy projections and the outlook and who to fade, who to target, head on over to the EliteFantasy.com and check out our team fantasy guides where we go in-depth, detailed, thorough as all hell. And be sure to check out our rankings that are changing, keeping up with all these COVID opt-outs, these, you know, these players that we don't necessarily rank, but say, you know, we got some big D linemen opting out, got some offensive linemen opting out. So we got the we got the big man opting out that has the effect on our skill position players, and those are being updated as we inch closer not only to the fantasy season but this deadline to opt out headlines recently i mean yesterday we seen LaShawn mccoy had to get signed to the bucks for a one-year veteran deal um that's a buzz kill for uh, those Keyshawn vaughn owners but i'm not really actively looking at mccoy so other than that, news has been pretty quiet today for the most part. Jeremy Hill getting looked at by the Raiders. Depth move, that's about it. But let's dive into these team previews, and we're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys. So out is Jason Garrett, and in is Mike McCarthy. We know Mike McCarthy typically likes to run those three wide sets. Could we see some of that? I think so. The team went out and got one of the, the top wide receiver prospects in the draft. Some are looking at it as a luxury move. I would say yes, it was. But I think it was also a need. Because with it, besides Cooper and Gallup, who's their three? Cobb was there last year. He's now in Houston. I think this is a move, and this is a nod to McCarthy's um, preferred three-wide set scheming, play calling, but we'll get to that in a minute. I want to start by looking at Dak Prescott. Now, if you look at Dak's career thus far, it tells us two things. One, historically, he has proven over his pro career that he's been a safe floor guy. He he was consistent in putting up a solid floor for our fantasy teams. Week in, week out, season in, season out. Secondly, his our history tells us that he's a low ceiling guy. Okay? But... That wasn't the case in 2019. 
because he finished as the number two fantasy quarterback behind only Lamar Jackson. Dak has a safe floor because of his running ability, but the ceiling was never there until last season. He really didn't showcase what he could do with that arm, and a lot of that had to do with the play-calling play style of the clapper Jason Garrett. Now, Kellen Moore became the offense coordinator last year, and he tapped in to Dak's strengths, which is his mobility and his arm. In 2018, Dak threw for only 3,000, what was it, 218 yards last season with Moore as the play caller. He eclipsed 5,000 yards, nearly hit it. Now, despite McCarthy coming in, we fully expect this offense to be more of the same. Like I said, Moore is responsible for that offensive explosion from last season. So that continuity is back, which is good for not only Dak, but it's good for the offense as a whole. Dak, in my projections, is going to pick up right where he left off in 2019. But we got to remember, as good as Dak was, he did fade down the stretch a little bit. He ran, what was it? He was putting up 13, 16 finishes at the position. And week 16, he finished 23rd at the position in weekly scoring, which was a buzzkill for those that rode Dak to the championship. But he's still a solid guy. He's still a solid guy to targets and target and drafts. He's coming off the board as the fourth quarterback behind Mahomes, Jackson, Murray. Uh, he shouldn't be coming after Murray. Absolutely not. Um, he's coming off in, what was it, around the sixth round. I won't be targeting him. I personally like Wilson over Dak just because... They offer the same, but Wilson is just a slight better value. You can get Wilson a couple rounds later than Dak. But if both were happened to fall to the eighth, I think I'd lean Dak over Russ. I got him projected for 4,595 yards, 33 touchdowns. And that'll put him, that's good enough to put him third in our rankings. Since I alluded to the position, let's take a look at the wide receivers next. Now, like I said, the team went and drafted C.D. Lamb in the first round. Jerry was grinning ear to ear and could not pass up this talent. I think Jerry has big plans in mind for Lamb, hence why he was adamant on giving him that 88, historic 88 number. C.D. is a is good, but I think I I was with a lot of people when the pick was made. There was kind of that, uh, just because, like I said, he's good, but he's stepping into a situation that isn't ideal for early fantasy production. He re He's really not. As much as everybody likes to hate Amari Cooper, Mr. Sourpuss, 
he is the team's number one wide receiver. He's established that for the team. He's going to be that for the team this season. You know, not only do you got Cooper there, but you have a young ascending wide receiver too, opposite Cooper, in Michael Gallup, who took a big step forward in 2019. And he he showed us that he has that skill set to not only be a good real-life NFL player, but a fantasy whiteout as well. So with those two established there on the outside, Lamb figures to slot in as that third wide receiver. However, unlike his predecessor Randall Cobb last year, Lamb will demand and take more targets off the table. He's just a far better talent than Cobb was at Cobb's stage in his career. So if Lamb is demanding these looks and these targets because of the talent and the draft pedigree, we can assume a slight drop in Gallup's targets, but a big drop in Cooper's targets. There's just simply not enough there in Dallas to sustain three top 30 wide receivers. It's not going to happen. I could see him sustaining two. Any offense could sustain, sustain 35, two top 35 wide receivers. Now, I, Dallas is one of the, if they continue what they did last season, they're one of the most pass-heavy offenses there is. So I wouldn't be surprised if two of these wide receivers finished in the top 35. I only got one. I got Cooper ranked at 18th. I still think Cooper is being overvalued in drafts because... I, to be honest with you guys, I'm going to proceed like he doesn't exist. I have no interest in his five big 20-plus point weeks and then his 10 weeks of, eh, you know what I mean? I just, he's too bipolar for me. Fantasy bipolar. I hate those fantasy bipolar guys, those two-faced I don't like him. I'm not looking at him. So, like I said, I got him ranked 18th. I got Gallup coming in ranked 41st in our PPR redraft rankings. And then I got Lamb sitting at 47th. I could see a hot hand headache coming. One receiver is going to get hot one week. Then they're going to look to him the next week. He could be cold and we're going to switch to another one. So it's going to be one of those... Gallup big week, then we're going to have a Cooper big week, then we're going to have a Lamb big week. It's, it's going to be a headache. So with that in mind, I'm liking Lamb more in Dynasty than Redraft. But having this talent at wide receiver is certainly good for Dak Prescott and his outlook. Looking at the tight end position, Blake Jarwin, to be honest, the Lamb pick killed his early season hype. There was so many people looking forward to grabbing Blake Jarwin late in drafts. He could be that sleeper, sleeper type. Because we all know that Dak likes to lean on those tight ends in the middle of the field. It's like his blankie running down the seam in the center. And having those two speedy receivers on the outside, you know, he he was 
he was just destined to man the middle of that field. Well, now that you got a superstar in the making and Lamb potentially manning that middle of the field, I think that's going to hurt Jarwin's upside. I think he's capped. I think he's destined for that three catches for 32 yards. I th- I I wouldn't be surprised if he has a couple big games this season. I could see him having a couple multi-touchdown games. He could be relied upon in the red zone. He could be a touchdown threat any given week. He's athletic. He's talented. No Jason Witten, finally. I think, you know, if he he'll have opportunity, he'll be the tight end out there. But the hype that was there a couple months ago, three months ago, prior to the draft, that is, at least on my end, has dried up. Last but not least, let's look at let's look at this backfield. Zeke Elliott. Talk about a guy that has arguably the safest floor at the position out of all running backs in the league. This guy does have the safest floor. He's a workhorse. I see, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying Zeke is finished because McCarthy is at the helm now, and we know in his offense the running back doesn't matter. Don't listen to this bullshit. Pardon my French, but this is bullshit. Yes, McCarthy is the head coach, but Moore is calling the plays, like I said. So Zeke's going to be fine. Zeke's going to have a lot of opportunity running through these massive holes that this offense, this Moore offense is going to give him. I think his passing passing chops, his passing game upside is capped a bit, but he'll make up for that. Because I see him potentially reaching that 15-touchdown mark like he's seen in his rookie year. I think he has very good double-digit upside touchdowns. Possibility this season. In fact, I got him projected with 13. I got him rushing almost 1,300 yards. I got him catching 49 balls, which isn't too shabby, for 390 yards and three additional touchdowns. So I got him projected for 16 touchdowns overall. That should just show you that he's being taken in the top five in drafts, and he absolutely should be. So for those people worried about this McCarthy effect, (laughs) laugh in their face when they pass on him and then run up to that board and you, bam, you slam that sticker right on that board and laugh at him for making that dumb mistake. Now, behind Zeke, we got Tony Pollard. He is a good handcuff, either as that true handcuff or as a blind handcuff. We all know what that is. Blind handcuff is taking a stud's backup that you don't own. Okay? So, I think if Zeke goes down, there is so much upside for Pollard in this offense. Because he is a skilled runner, he is a skilled pass catcher, and I think he could flourish if Zeke were to go down. But, like I said, Zeke is proven to be 
pretty damn durable. I think Zeke is a locked-in top-five option at the position this season in redraft. And like I said, if he's on the board, when it's your turn to pick and you're out of the Barkley and the McCaffrey sweepstakes, hell yeah, pull the trigger on Zeke because I really like him in 2020. Now when we look at the Denver Broncos, we got to start at the quarterback position. Drew Locke enters his first year as that starter after starting five games last season. And in those five starts, we've seen where he gradually got better with every start. He looked pretty good. Now this year for Locke is the prove-it-to-the-team in the fantasy world that you can be the guy in Denver to lead this team for years to come. Elway's going in all on him, in on him. It's obvious because this team has given him every possibility to succeed in this offense. Think about it. The entire draft this past spring pretty much was to load up on weapons for Locke. Even in free agency, they went out and got that veteran running back in Melvin Gordon that could help with his years of experience in the league to aid Locke. Take some pressure off of Locke when needed. Give him that safety valve in the passing game because he's a very good pass catcher. So, like I said, he has all the tools needed to succeed as an NFL quarterback. And if he can't get it done this season, now with all the with all the COVID stuff, the team has even come out, John Elway, Jim, he, he's come out and said temper expectations. I think he's he's just saying this to cover his base. If, if the offense comes out here and sputters, it's going to be, you know, as expected because you got two rookie wide receivers, you got a rookie tight end, you got a new back in Melvin Gordon coming in. So there's a lot of moving parts here. So I would not be shocked if they did come out of the gate a little bit sluggish. But I think as the season goes on, you know, you get into the week four and week five and on, I think this offense is going to be pretty potent. In fact, I think this AFC West, with the exception of the Chargers for this season, I think in it's going to be one of the most exciting divisions to watch in football for the next years to come. you got the Chiefs, who are a powerhouse. you got the Raiders that have retooled on offense. I think they're going to start clicking and putting up some points. And you got these Broncos who are loaded as well. I, I'm pretty excited. Now, back to Locke. I'm not really looking to him in one quarterback leagues, redraft leagues this year. However, in two quarterback leagues, oh yeah, he'll be on my target list for sure. You know, he offers that nice late round target. I currently have him sitting at 23 in our rankings, but... I wouldn't be shocked at all if he emerges this year as a solid to high-end quarterback, too. With that, with that skill around him, it is not out of the realm of possibility, folks. It really isn't. Now, looking at these wide receivers, you know, before the draft, Sutton was looking like a top-12 pick. Last season, he was getting all the targets, he looked very good in that wide receiver one role. He looked comfortable. He he looked very, very good. 
Then they go and draft Judy and Hamler. And that ranking <laughs> went out the door. It really did. I have him ranked 24th in our rankings right now. The ceiling with Sutton is there. But there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed now. Especially with Judy. I have... The ADP has Sutton going as a fourth-round pick, the 18th wide receiver off the board. He's more of a fifth-round pick, even a sixth-round pick to be of value. I would much rather take a, uh, say, a Robert Woods after Sutton is well gone all day long. Absolutely. Now, as far as Judy and Hamler, people love rookies coming in. It's the, they love the unknown, they like the new possibilities, but we got to be careful, especially with the limited offseason, because rookies will struggle, especially at this position. Tight end and wide receiver, the toughest position to transition to from the college to pro levels. And then you throw in this altered off season you know this team these teams aren't looking to practice for another four to five weeks three weeks anyways i think it is actually so we're still doing the virtual we're still just doing classroom work so now judy has been out there with Locke, doing their own thing getting acclimated to each other this is good i have judy ranked as our 42nd wide out and redraft Speaking of workouts, have you seen his videos? Holy hell, man. He's looking like the new AB. He really is. Just the way he trains, the way he prepares himself. And this shouldn't be surprising because the great Greg Cosell himself has comped Judy to not only Brown, but OBJ as well. As far as dynasty leagues go, oh boy. I think every dynasty league I, I'm in... I've targeted Judy and got him in every draft. I'm that bullish on him. I have such high hopes for his career. I think he, his skill set, oh man, I think he could be a dominant force for the next 10 years. He's young too, 21 coming in. Oh, so many years of production. He's versatile. His route running is probably the best we've seen coming into the league in the last number of years that I can remember. But in redraft leagues, we got to temper our expectations a bit. Don't get too excited because there will be value with Judy. He could be had between the 9th and 11th round, so don't go jump in the gun. You don't have to go take him in the 6th because that'd, be that'd be a huge mistake. Even the 7th or 8th, those are huge mistakes. 10th round, Okay, that, that'd be the ideal spot to start looking, even the ninth round. As far as Hamler goes, I'm I'm not high on him this season in redraft. I'm, he's struggled with drops last season at Penn State. I just think, I think he's going to take, like I said, the position is tough on, to learn. And with the altered, there's only, let's put it this way, there's only two rookie wide receivers i'm confident that with this altered offseason can still step into this league from day one and not miss a beat one's judy 
and the other is a guy we covered a few episodes ago in Michael Pittman Jr. I think those two are equipped enough, advanced enough, that they can step in week one and start contributing. I think Judy's going to be in line for some big weeks. I think he could have some stinkers. We'll put it that way. I think he could have some stinkers, but I'm still very bullish on Jerry Judy and his fantasy outlook for the next decade. Yeah, I'm saying it, folks. Decade. Book it. Julio Jones 2.0. You heard it here. That's my guy. I'm planting my flag in Jerry Judy right now. Then we look at Noah Fant. Tight end. Athletic as hell. His upside is very high. Very big upside. He showed that in weeks 9 and 14 last season where he finished as the number 2 tight end for the week in weekly scoring. So the upside's there. But the thing with Fan is, his floor is hideous. When he's off and when he doesn't perform, horrible. Horrible. This reason here, yes, the high ceiling is there, but that gross floor puts him outside the top 12, even the top 15 for us. I actually have him ranked 16th coming into the season in redraft. I would much rather have a Hayden Hurst than a Noah Fant in 2020. You got to remember one thing with Fant, especially in home leagues. He's going to get drafted, but I guarantee you in 50% of these drafts or these leagues, he's going to have a few games where three or four games in a row that he has low scoring. What's going to happen? His owners are going to drop him because we ain't got no room on our squads for that production. But if he hits that, if he hits that waiver wire, scoop him up because that's going to be okay. Because one, you didn't waste draft capital on him. Two, he offers that upside. So you scoop him up off the wire and you stash him. That's what you do. That's the play with Fan, I'm thinking, in 2020. Let someone else draft him. Let him enjoy the two weeks or whatever of good production. Then they'll get frustrated for five weeks. And then you're going to come in, you're going to scoop him up. And what's the good possibility of happening? He could he could win you a championship down the road a little sneakily. Wouldn't his owner be pissed off? That's like the ultimate right there. You draft a guy, he sucks when you have him, you drop him, and then he goes off. It happens. It's happened to me a few times, but I think that's the play with Fant this year. Fantasy, he's still, or Dynasty, he's still a top prospect because I think he's going to be good. Even with the addition of Alberto, who Locke has a history with, played together at Missouri, I think, I think Fant is still a good tight end to target in Dynasty leagues. But redraft, I think we'll let someone else draft him, hate him drop them, you pick them up, and then ride them to a championship. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? And last but not least, we're going to look at rival turn teammate Melvin Gordon. Now, last season, Gordon was the headache because it was 
his turn to hold out. You know, we can't, we can't knock these guys for trying to get paid. We really can't. So as owners, we can't go on Twitter. We can't go on social media. And we can't bash these guys. You screwed my team. I drafted you in the first, second round. And you're not even on the field. Well, calm down. You'll be okay, first of all. That's why we draft for depth. That's why we draft multiple backs early in case this happens. This is why you get their handcuffs. We can never knock these guys for trying to get paid. They play one of the most punishing positions there is in the game. And the shelf life of these guys is so short, they got to get as much money as they can. Because really, where receivers can have 13-plus year careers, a running back isn't going to see that. Because their bodies simply cannot keep up to that. Adrian Peterson's a, well, he's, he's a different breed. But he is nowhere near what he was at his time in Minnesota. But let's just cool it, guys. It's going to be Delvin Cook's turn this year and Joe Mixon's potentially to threaten holdout. And we're going to be hating on him. Don't hate on him. Let him try. You can't fault him. Anyways, back to Gordon. Once he was on the field last season, he was solid. He was absolutely solid. He scored eight touchdowns. And in week 16, he finished number 8 at the position in scoring and helped many teams win championships. Now, the knock on Gordon coming into this season, oh, he's entering a crowded backfield. Philip Lindsay is good, and Royce Freeman is solid as well. So they're going to take away touches. Cool your jets. Don't worry too much about Freeman and Lindsay. No offense to their skill, no offense to them as people. Lindsay was a great story two years ago. Undrafted, come out of nowhere, lit up preseason, training camp, feel good story. Killed everybody in the playoffs in that year. But, anyways, the thing is, Elway and the team didn't pay Gordon all that money to have him as part of a committee. Gordon is going to be this team's early down. And, yeah, here it is, and most passing down back. He's better than Lindsey. He's better than Freeman in that department. Lindsey will be sprinkled in just enough to keep Gordon out of that RB1 conversation, I'm thinking, entering 2020. I got him ranked 14th, Gordon. I'm willing to bet we see several running back one type finishes this season out of Gordon. He's got a tough schedule, but we're not going to worry too much about fantasy schedules. He's got one of the toughest at the position projected, but I still see great value. I wouldn't mind having him as my RB2. I'd take him all day in round three as my RB2. Get a solid get a solid back in round one. Joe Mixon, Delvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. Hell yeah. Sign me up for Gordon in round three. I think he's going to be fine this season. So let the skeptics worry and let the skeptics push his value down the board. And then you being the savvy owner because you listen to the EliteFantasy.com and the Elite Fantasy Podcast Series and your boy Little Italy, you're going to be just fine. Our teams are going to be superior and we're going to ride the momentum, the knowledge, the skill all the way to a championship.
Sound good? Sweet. As far as Lindsay goes, I got him ranked 53 entering. Redraft. PPR leagues. Not much interest in him, to be honest with you. Maybe as that handcuff. Other than that, nope. Not barking up that tree. So there we go, folks. Cowboys, check. Broncos, check. This fantasy preview train is going to roll on. I think we're, what, halfway through these things? Next time we come together, we'll preview two more teams. I'm thinking we're going to head to the NFC North next time. Possibly look at the Lions. Possibly look at the Packers. I'm not sure yet. I'll see what, I, I'll see what I'm feeling. But we're going to get through all these teams. Like I said, we're halfway through. we got more than enough time to dive in and pound these things out. I hope you're finding them informative, entertaining. I'm here to entertain you, folks. I'm here to make you great in fantasy football. I hope you've been over to the EliteFantasy.com and have checked out all our content because I know for a fact if you have, that content is going to make you great at fantasy football. Between our league winner series, our in-depth great write-ups, we got it all over there. And it's all free. I am saying it. I'm telling you, come and test drive us. I'm begging you, come test drive us. Spread the word. We're not the... One of the quickest growing sites in the industry for a reason, folks. For no reason. It's the content. It's what you're getting. You're not going to find a lot of fluff. It's straight to the point articles that... Okay, I'm going to put it this way. No knock on the, the great sites that are out there. With all the numbers and with all the data. If you're like me, who reads an article and sees all these numbers... And he's like, pages upon pages. I ain't reading all that. I'm skimming it and trying to... That's what we're doing. That's what we're striving to do with the Elite Fantasy. We want to get to the point, give you the things you need to know. That's it. And that's the beauty of our stuff. There ain't a lot of fluff. It's a lot of substance, though. We want to make you great, but not taking up all your time. You look at our rankings. You read our articles. I'm telling you, just come test drive us and you're going to see what it's about. And it's free for the whole season. You're welcome. <laughs> Anyways, that'll do it, folks. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Take care of each other. Enjoy your families. Mask up so we have this damn season. I, I can't fathom the thought of not having an NFL season. I don't care if there's no fans in the stands. As long as we got something on TV and something we can watch and enjoy. That's all I beg you people. Do your part. Let's get this season in. Let's have some fun. We're six weeks away. Come on. Let's do it. And anyways, like I said, enjoy your weekends. I'll catch you next time for the Elite Fantasy Podcast. I'm your guy. I'm Little Italy. And I'm going to go drink some beer. <laughs>